A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. So, here we are then. We have reached the point of no return, it would seem. All schools are closing tomorrow. The transport networks are shutting down even as we speak. Spain will close every hotel and has urged tourists to go home. There is no more horse racing. The Canadians have shut their border with the United States of America. And London is preparing to go on a 24-hour lockdown. Uh, we will be continually broadcasting from the headquarters of Talk Radio here at News UK on London Bridge for as long as we possibly can. I've already given up travelling on public transport. I've already started coming in uh, on uh, by car. I've already started parking my car uh, in a rather expensive NCP car park uh, for which I will be reclaiming my expenses. However, it would be nice if Sadiq Khan actually pulled his finger uh, out of his backside and decided to actually cut down on the congestion charge. It might be nice as well if he gave a thought to all of those people driving around in black cabs to see what they're going to be doing because today uh, we are going to be asking what exactly is going on? How are people supposed to access the money the government has promise to pay them. What are taxi drivers supposed to do to reclaim any lost revenue? And I don't just mean black cab drivers in London, I mean taxi drivers all over the country. Many of you got in touch with me uh, over the course of the last 12 hours or so to say to me that your businesses are literally falling apart. How exactly are bars and restaurants meant to cope without any customers? And it's all very well for Rishi Sunak to get up in the House of Commons and at meetings uh, in front of the press and the world to say that we've got £315 billion to give away. Well, let's have it. Where is is it? How do we get it? As ever, we want to hear your stories. What are you hearing? Where are you going? Uh, where are you being told to go? Uh, what is actually happening in your world? Because you are, of course, the voices of reason. Uh, we are the voice of the people here at Talk Radio. We're the only radio station that cares about you. We're the only station that keeps you informed. We're the only station that tells you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. We listen to your concerns and we want you to share with us your experiences so that we can pass all of the stuff that you know onto everybody else. How are you going to be able to cope with when your kids come home from school tomorrow? How are you going to be able to cope when you can't make any money? And by the way, I was out yesterday in three separate supermarkets and quite frankly, what I saw was an absolute and utter disgrace. We'll be talking about that as well. 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. It is, of course, Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Now, as ever this morning, the newspapers are predicting a tide of doom and gloom. Now it's the schools. Prime Minister scraps exams and shuts down classes, says The Guardian. Exams cancelled after virus forces schools to shut down in The Times. Front page of The Telegraph. Schools closed as London prepares for shutdown. Schools out till summer in the sun. Uh, a rather not handy reference to Alice Cooper's song uh, from so long ago. I'm not sure anybody actually remembers it. Schools out, uh, says The Daily Mail. So, uh, let's go to one of the people that we go to whenever we need to find out out what is going on at the heart of government, a man who was at the heart of government not that long ago, so Robbie Gibb, uh, who worked with Theresa May when she was Prime Minister in Downing Street. Let's find out what he can tell us about how everything is being handled. So, Robbie, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. This must be a terribly difficult time uh, to be in charge of the country, to be in government. However, I suppose, in some ways, um, it very much focuses the mind and it very much focuses Boris Johnson on what the job is at hand. I mean, just stepping back from it, um, I mean, I think the government, I mean, there's lots of um, criticism from people on Twitter and other areas. But if you just step back from it, I think the government are doing a very good job yes. in difficult circumstances. And I think the key thing, just to just right from the outset, um, 
make it clear is I think the government taking a decision right at the beginning to follow the science and then with the science, um, you know, getting the science advice, putting the scientists right up front and centre is incredibly reassuring yes. that the government are taking the very best advice. And both of the scientists that we're seeing every day, uh, Messrs Valance um, and uh, Witty, are, are, are really very convincing. They seem to know what they've, they, they've got to deal with. They seem to be very measured. Uh, and they're very, uh, for me anyway, they, they build my confidence when I see them speaking. Yes, absolutely right. And I think um, there's all kinds of um, people saying there's been a U-turn, that the strategy's not working, comparing what we're doing in the UK with other countries in the world. And there's a lot of sort of armchair critics who, frankly, should spend more time um, trying to be helpful um, but, you know, by asking people to follow the advice mm. and um, social distancing and helping support your local shops and takeaways and looking after uh, friends and, and neighbours and the elderly. But just, to, you know, if you just step back, what is the, met, the, the government strategy is incredibly clear and simple, is we all know at some point there's going to be a huge spike in the number of severe cases of this terrible virus. And the government's strategy right from the very beginning was to try and flatten that peak so that the NHS can cope. And the point at which we use more draconian measures as a country, you know, such as the closing the schools, or as I suspect will happen tomorrow or Saturday, basically banning people from using restaurants and pubs in central London, um, they're all part of a measured, science-driven um, uh, policy strategy, which, as you, as you said, it is reassuring. But what I find um, disappointing is that there are still politicians who are still trying to make partisan points um, during this process, and people on Twitter, as I was saying, whipping up fear. There are so many productive things people can be doing with their time, but whipping up fear and worry is the last thing that people should be doing. Well, it really is, and I, I absolutely couldn't agree with you more. I mean, Piers Morgan's a former employer of mine. He used to be my boss at the Mirror, um, and he's a great guy, and he's a brilliant uh, strategist. He's a fantastic journalist, he's a great broadcaster, but I think he's really, really barking up the wrong tree at the moment by having a go at the government constantly for not doing what he thinks they should be doing, because after all, you know, what the hell does he know about it? Well, this is, this is the thing. Um, if, I don't know where, you know, if he had uh, an illness, God forbid, and he went to, needed some expert advice about uh, a condition, would he go to a TV presenter or would he go to <laughs> the best possible advice? Well, exactly, exactly. Let me guess. And the other thing that really uh, sort of, I almost said the wrong word there for a second, uh, got to me yesterday was uh, Jeremy Corbyn, who just can't bring himself to be in tune with a Tory government, which is actually doing quite a good job. You know, he, he, he minces around, he moans and groans and he sort of reluctantly pats them on the back, but then with the second uh, question comes out with what they're not doing rather than what they are doing. Yeah, I mean, it's it, and Gordon Brown as well this morning on the, on the Today programme. Yeah. They say, oh, I'm not playing party politics and then play party politics. Yes. I mean, frankly, I, I saw him. I forgot that he was still leader of the opposition. I mean, he's he tried to inject himself, and he just hasn't taken the message that what people want from politicians in opposition in normal times, but particularly now, are not politicians who are trying to get political advantage. It is too serious. It matters, it matters so much for people. And what they want are answers, and they want their politicians to raise their game. And yet again, I think, personally, that Jeremy Corbyn has shown why... He wouldn't have been the right person to be Prime Minister. And you, um, you just sort of think, thank God we're not in a situation with him and his um, acolyte running number 10 Well, now. I mean, to be honest, uh, I'd also forgotten that Gordon Brown used to be Prime Minister. Now that you've reminded me, I'm feeling a bit unwell. <laughs> so I'm going to go and see some medical assistance in the rest of the building. But, but, you know, what happens next? Because, of course, this is an unprecedented scene, and we keep hearing that. But I think as time has gone by, I have been one of those people who... Um, was accused of not taking this seriously enough. And I still believe that some of the measures are perhaps more, um, I don't know, prophylactic, shall we say, than they need to be. Um, but I understand why they have to be done. And I'm certainly no longer the person that says, I'm going to keep going out. You know, I went out for a drink on Monday um, and Tuesday, and I thought yesterday when somebody asked me if I wanted to go to the pub, I actually said no, because it feels wrong now. Yes, I mean, there's, there are so many unknown factors. I mean, if you take the example of China, you know, it's been discussed this morning that there's been some very positive news from China, that the, there's been no new cases yes. um, as of yesterday. But there's, therefore, people are then leaping to a criticism again, where they say, oh, why didn't we do what they've done earlier? So there's two 
issues there that you know we still don't know the answer to. Right. Firstly, how long can we keep people at home working? You know, maybe four months with your you know, it's quite it's quite fun for the first couple of days. You know, you get a few jobs done, um, but then you look ahead. You think that is alarming. But also, I mean, the more sort of scientific and medical point is what happens when the when those controls and restrictions are lifted in China. We're, you know, and I mean, my understanding. I'm not a scientist. I'm I'm no Piers Morgan. Um, that um, will it all come back again, and that is what we still don't know. Right. And that is the difficulty, isn't it? Because one of the things I'm going to try and get at this morning is to talk to people about how they access the money that the government has promised them. For example, I've had loads of taxi drivers be in touch with me over the course of the last 12 hours or so saying, what do we do? You know, we've literally lost almost all the income we would have had. Mm. And this is in all parts of the country, not just in London. Um, you know, how easy is it that going to be? And because we do know that government machinery can be very kind of arduous to, to navigate. That, that, absolutely right. I mean, you know, this is these are unprecedented uh, times. It's a great cliche, but it absolutely. Yeah, but it really is, is yeah. It, it is, and um, I'm not, not going to say I, I'm not going to come on here saying I have the answers. But what one of the good things about working when I worked at Number Ten is what you never see is just the sheer skill of our civil service. You know, they've been coming to a lot of criticism for different reasons, and they can't really answer back. But what they are very, very good at is managing these kind of crises and. You know, the, you know, the speed at which the government have come forward with various packages, you know, some of these packages in normal times would take months and months to put together. The long-term plan for the NHS, which I helped work on when I worked at Number 10, took six months to work on. And now we've seen significant measures already announced. I understand there will be more announcements either tomorrow on the economic mm. front um, coming their way. But you're right. They, I mean, I, I, one of my, you know, local... Indian restaurants who I go to in normal times and as doing my little bit to order a takeaway yes. and, and uh, the, the, um, the manager told me that they've had big cancellations um, and he's going to have to lay off all his staff. I mean, there's this wow. assumption if you work for a big company that if you're staying at home and you're not working, then you continue to get paid. But a lot yeah. of these small businesses, they, they lay them off and they don't get paid. So let's just, you know, hope that the government, well, I'm sure they are, looking at ways to... To deal with, I mean, the, I mean, Boris said something um, I thought very, very uh, insightful um, in one of his uh, daily press conferences. Yeah. That you know, they, firstly, that there will nothing is ruled out, and no one should be punished for no fault of their own. And that's I think people working for local restaurants, you know, work very, very hard on relatively low income. They, we you know, the, the community and the government need to step up. No, I think that's absolutely right because as as, as much as we can do uh, the takeaway thing from from restaurants that we would normally go out to, you know, that's going to still be a very very small amount of people and a very small amount of revenue. And I think I was I've, I've been hearing from all sorts of restaurateurs who uh, uh, one who said I think last night on Talk Radio normally they would do 400 covers uh, on any given evening and they're now currently doing 40. You know, so it's a tenth, basically, of what they would normally take in. I was hearing from um, Cyrus Tony Waller, uh, who's on Saturday Kitchen quite a bit, owns uh, Cafe Spice in Allgate. He said that his restaurants in uh, Heathrow's Hilton uh, are revealing that apparently out of 350 rooms at the Hilton, only 18 are occupied. You know, so this is a massive, massive financial problem. Yeah, and what we, what we have seen by, I mean, listening to the news and listening to your uh, summary just before you came to me, it's what you what is revealed is just the interconnectivity yeah you know my local dry cleaners um you know they, they may have to go under because they take do a lot of the dry cleaning and, and washing for um local hotels, course, yeah. hotels or, you know the whole thing is interconnected it's incredibly complicated and that sort of gets me back to my point i made earlier is you know the government are having to respond to all this complex nature to try and keep the country going and what we need to do as a country what we need to do if people have of you know leadership roles in the media and elsewhere yes exactly right the attitude and just pull together and support people it's good in, in parliament yes i was watching uh, the parliamentary proceedings and you know mps are asking very sensible questions but for me there's a sort of a, a tone of sort of 
a criticism mm. as if somehow if only they were in control and they were in charge, it'll all be fine. Yeah. The truth is, it is incredibly complicated. We've got the best people on the job. We need to pull everyone's resources and effort together, both both in, in politics and on the front line, but also in local communities. Yes, and also to understand the process and, and in some ways the strategy, looking back on it, it's actually worked rather well because when they announced yesterday they were going to shut schools, I've got two teenage boys, one of whom is now no longer going to be doing his GCSEs. He's kind of confused about whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, you know, because <laughs> he was hoping to, to pull himself up a little bit by doing the exams. Now he's not so sure. But in the end... It looks like they did the right thing because had they done this two weeks ago, it probably would have been too early. It might have caused all kinds of problems in, in the NHS and in other areas where people need to look after their children at home. And in fact, you know, the longer this goes on, the better it looks for Boris. Yes, and I mean, the interesting what's happened, oh, you know, yesterday um, they had to close because the number of schools that had closed anyway had jumped from just 70 schools had closed mm. to, over, to nearly 500 because teachers were self-isolating, teachers not turning up. So they had to announce the closure so they could do it in a controlled way. But I think it's, I, I'm actually being impressed by, the, you know, it's not it, by the best of both, if I could say, yes. that you are closing the schools, which can, which on the best advice of the scientists to control the spread of infection, but also keeping a skeleton uh, facility open so that the children of people working on the front line for doctors and nurses can still go they can still go to work because their kids have been looked after. When I first heard that, I thought, oh, poor kids, yeah. you know, everybody else hanging, everybody else at home and enjoying themselves. But I, I was reassured to hear this morning that they wouldn't be being put through uh, lessons. They would also be having more recreational activities. Yes. Um, but also, I mean, the, you know, people, people are very glib because there's so much going on. You know, one, you know, one line just doesn't get the attention that it should. You know, keeping the schools open in, in, in the way that they're planning means that some of the most vulnerable children um, will still get the, the, the care and support that they need. So it's a good package done under very, very difficult circumstances and very, very fast. Yes. And what happens next? And I know that whenever I used to ask this question when we were in the midst of the Brexit stalemate, which seems so long ago now, I've completely forgotten about it, right? I mean, what does happen next? Because there's not very much more that can be done other than a total kind of shutdown of movement altogether. Yeah, well, you're, you're absolutely right. Well, I think there are other measures to, I think, sort of turning off the tap and, and trying to flatten that yeah. curve. But very, very soon we'll be in the heart of it. And we've sort of with all the sort of the practical elements about this we need to think about what's actually going to happen because all the reports are some of the illnesses some people the illness would pass through you know without without note but some mm. people become incredibly ill and it's quite un, unpleasant yeah. so we've got to get through i mean the government's doing all kinds of things my understanding and getting more kit and, uh, and ventilators into into hospitals and buy ourselves time and one point about you know the, the ongoing uh, um, historic criticisms of pharmaceutical companies you know they are the people that's going to, that are going to save us with a vaccine with a, with appropriate testing and i just think we should as a country away from all this is actually show more support for businesses generally and particularly the pharmaceutical industry who you know, they will be working, you know, round the clock to find a vaccine to keep the world alive. Yes, absolutely right. So, Robbie Gibb, uh, working now for Kext CNC, former head of communications at number 10. Thank you so much for talking to us. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We are here for you today, so we want to hear from as many of you as possible about what is going on in your world, in your life, in your business, in your school, uh, in your community, because if there's anything we can help you with, we will do our level best to do so. 0344 499 1000. Don't forget, we are live streaming now on YouTube, uh, on Facebook and on Twitter. So you can watch us, uh, which is a thing of great beauty, as well as listening to us. Let's talk to Michelle. Michelle, uh, who's in Surrey. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Mike. How, How are you? Do- yeah, very well. How's it going? Yeah, it's been better. <laughs> yeah, well, I can, I can imagine. You run a hairdressing salon. <laughs> I do indeed. Yeah, yeah, I do. I run a hairdressing salon in um, Surrey. <clears throat> very nice. What part of Surrey? Uh, Oxshot. Oxshot. Very nice. So normally speaking, yeah. that would be quite a good business, I would imagine. Yes, it's a lovely little business. Um, 13 years established now. Right. And I have five staff who are relying on me for their livelihood. Yes. It's quite stressful right now. I bet. And, what, and, what's, and what's happening? Are people coming in as usual or not really? Um, no, I would say probably we're down about 80%. Um, and wow. that happens within the space of about two weeks, okay. which I totally understand. I totally, you know, a lot of our clientele are older ladies. I totally understand why they're not coming out. Right. But obviously, as a business, we need help and we don't need it like in two weeks. We need it right now. Exactly. Um, and I phoned my bank yesterday and it was basically horrendous. I, I was shocked, actually. What did they say? Um, I, was, I was on hold on and off for two hours. Um, the first. The first person I spoke to was a business manager, and she basically said, "What? what why would the virus be affecting me? And how long did I think this situation was going to go on for?" And the most ridiculous questions. And my main reason for calling was to ask them for a payment holiday because I already have lending with them, and I understand they can't keep throwing money at people. I get that at the moment, but I wanted a payment holiday. I have a loan payment coming out next week that I can't afford to pay currently. And the guy that I was then put onto again said. It's not standard procedure. You can't have a payment holiday. We'll just let the payment go into arrears. But we probably won't charge you. Mm. That's and outrageous, isn't it? There was absolutely no help. I, was, I actually ended up in tears at the end of the phone call. And I've been with that bank for 30 years. And what's the years. bank? What's the last name and shame them? Lloyd's, Lloyd's, Lloyd's bank. bank. You should be ashamed yeah. of yourselves, Lloyd's Bank. We'll get on to them. They really should. They really should. I was, and I, I literally was devastated at the end of the call because I'm scared. I'm scared for myself. I'm scared for my girls. Of course. You now, know, what about this loan that we're supposed to be able to access with a small business account? You're supp- we've heard from somebody this morning who told us that his accountant says he's got a £10,000 loan coming. We've been contacted by uh, the PPS, the, the, the personal secretary of a, one of the ministers of this government, who's given us all the information. I've just tweeted it out. I don't know if you're on Twitter. Um, and it no. says that you are able to get a £10,000 um, sort of bridging loan, for want of a better word, basically, um, if you have a small business. So I think that's what you should be able to do. Let me just find yeah. it here for you. Um, I know they've talked about a grant. Yes. I'm waiting to hear it again. Grant, grant funding of £25,000 for retail, hospitality and leisure businesses with property with a rateable value between 15000 and 51000 Now, other people have said to me, Michelle, that if you're outside of that c- grouping, it's difficult. But I don't know what your rateable value is. I'm, see, I'm, I, get rateable, I get the relief because my salon's quite small, so right. I don't pay business rates, so I get the relief. Okay. But I was led to believe that if I was not paying business rates, I'd be entitled to a £10,000 grant. But obviously, I can't get any information. Right. Have you got an and accountant, bring, Michelle? Yes, I have. Talk so to, I have to talk, send her an email. Yeah, talk to your accountant because she should know... And do yeah. come back to us if you're having trouble because it must be... And what I want to do today is try and make sure that everybody who can get money is able to get it because it's yeah. all very well the government saying we've got money for you, but if you can't get it, there's no it's use to you. Thing. 
And I've, I've tried all the, you know, you phone the helpline, they're just, it's engaged. Because obviously everyone's doing the same. Everyone's desperate to sort it out. They're all yeah. so frightened. Right. So All right. Well, listen, Michelle. Please, please do talk to your accountant, and then please, if you if you can uh, and you need to, come back to us, and we'll try and find, figure out what the hell is going on here because you need to get that money, and you should be able to get it. Thank you for giving us a voice, Michelle. No problem at all. Thank you. Let's talk to Patrick, who's in uh, Stafford. Hello, Patrick. Hi, Mike. Yeah, yeah thanks that, uh, the second that lady just said. Thanks for giving us a voice. Much appreciated. Well, it's very important because, it's all, as I say, it's all very well with the sound bites and the press conferences and the statements, but, you know, where's the money? Yeah, I mean, I did, I, absolutely. And just a couple of things that you also said. I, I missed uh, the last hour of the show. I caught this morning. I've just got in a meeting about some problems we've That's got. That's a shocking admission. You don't ever well, do uh, that look, again. I, I, well, I had to have a meeting there. I apologise <laughs> for that. Right. But, but you said a couple of things. You said, uh, look, everyone's suspending payments to suppliers. That's a fact. Yeah. I mean, businesses are hoarding cash, understandably so. Sure. Uh, and, and then they, you, you pointed to a hotel that um, had 18 rooms occupied and 330 beds. And, and that's the scale of the problem. Back in 2008, a much smaller problem than this. We, we, we're we're sort of a, a, um, a business general practice of, of lawyers. I mean, forgive me for being a lawyer. That's not a very popular person mm. to be. Yeah. We, employ, we, we did employ until yesterday 30 people. Turnover about 2 million quid, 2.2 2 right. million quid. <clears throat> and... Um, in, in December 2007, we did 120 conveyances, and in December 2008, we did 12. Now, we, had a bro- we had a broad spread of business there. We had a good recession. We had a good litigation business, and we went into the recession with no debt, and we came out with no debt. Uh, and we've been, I think our last time overdrawn was 2003. So we're a prudent bunch of people, and we come into this crisis with a bit of cash in the bank, but only a bit. Okay. Uh, yesterday... I looked at the business loan offering, the £330 billion that's been offered by the government. And and the way that works, as as we understand it, and I might have it wrong, is that the government will lend you money uh, as last resort, but if you've got any assets or anything behind you as a business owner, you've got to put that money up. Right. So uh, many business owners are going to say, probably more prosperous than I am, if they've got capital behind them, this probably isn't the moment to invest in a business. It's interesting you say that, actually, because we had a caller yesterday who said exactly that, because what they said was, we don't want to have to be putting up our homes. If we run a limited company, it is limited, and it is protected in that way, that you don't, if it does go wrong, you don't lose everything. Whereas if you have to give your home up to the government, then you do lose everything. Absolutely. So I'm I'm just talking about my my, my client base. So so, uh, you can get a loan... Uh, from this £330 billion scheme without a personal guarantee or security if you can prove you've got nothing. Right. But, of course, generally speaking, the guys we should be backing here are the guys who've done quite well or are prudent, who've got a bit, but they're not going to get those loans. Now, um, look, I, I totally get that, I mean, Boris went with the idea that number 10 is going to control uh, the, 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 the number 11 and yeah. he's running the finances, but now he's had to run the response, the medical response to coronavirus. I, I take it he's a busy guy. Yeah. But, but we all know, and if, you know, I've been saying for a couple of three weeks, I, mean, I, f- I feel, uh, Mike, I'm ahead of the curve. So much so I stopped following Piers Morgan on Twitter. <laughs> a lot of people have, funnily enough. I don't know what's happened to Piers. I've been trying to get him on the show, and he hasn't responded to me. I'm not sure whether there's a particular reason why he's getting so worked up. And, I mean, people say, oh, it's because they won't talk to him on, uh, on uh, GMB. But I don't think it's just that. I think he's got an elderly mother. He might be worried about her. I don't know what it is. But certainly he is very unusually um, recalcitrant, shall we say, about this worried for himself. I mean, I think we've all got that slight nervousness, although I think this is a disease that probably affects people with lack of immune system. Yeah. I don't, I'm not a medic, I shouldn't say that. But uh, anyway, so, so um, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I did a bit of stockpiling a while ago. I, I try and save where I can do. So, but if you look back to 2008, we, we printed 300 billion yeah. and we took 700 billion of borrowing. So it was a trillion pound response to a much smaller problem. Mm. The world, I mean, this is big stuff and I'm not an accountant, but but the world's going to have to rebase and they're going to have to print money. And it yeah. probably isn't sensible to give money to people like me. Because if I'm a business owner, I, I, even though I think I'm a reasonable man, most business owners, given large amounts of money to their business, will favour their own personal circumstances, sure. their own debts, their own problems. Uh, this is going to have to be a large printing exercise. And somehow through the tax system, the money is going to have to be given to the people. Uh, and, and if that happens, then it, it allows me, with less of a heavy conscience, to lay people off for a period while we get through it. And, but the numbers, I mean, let's, I mean, let's just not even think about 330 billion. That was, the, that was the printing response absent of borrowing to the last problem we had. Yes. It's a much, much bigger problem. Ricky, lovely little lad, 38 years old, is he? I mean, I've been through, I don't know, three major heart problems, no, sorry, three major business problems 
in my career. I've seen a few real crises. And this is off the scale yeah. compared to anything else. Patrick, listen, I totally get you. I've got to ask you to stop, though, because we've got a press conference currently ongoing, just started uh, on COVID-19. Now, most of the headlines this morning are all about the schools being shut down, all about how uh, we're trying to suppress and flatten out the bell curve uh, of, 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 of unfortunate sort of, you know, uh, infection, basically trying to stop as many people from getting the infection as possible and pushing it further down the road and further down the line to avoid hospitals getting clogged up with people who have got the disease. But let's talk to Professor George Lomonosov. Uh, he is virologist at the John Innes Centre, uh, who's been experimenting on a vaccine uh, to prevent coronavirus in pigs. Professor, a very good morning to you. Oh, good morning. Thanks very much for joining us. I mean, I don't think virologists have ever been quite so busy as they are at the moment, have they? Oh, no, we've, n we've never been so popular. <laughs> exactly right. I mean, I don't think I've ever spoken to a virologist before about two months ago, and suddenly now I've met, I've met about eight of them. Uh, they're everywhere now. They yeah. really are, you know, everywhere you turn. But uh, let's look at what's going on. Um, how confident are you that uh, what the government has been doing up to now and, and is doing at the moment uh, is working? Well, it... We won't know for a few weeks, to be honest, because uh, the initial stages of infection, you don't develop symptoms. Right. And you can't actually even test for it until a certain level of virus has been reached. But the, the, certainly the hope is that we'll begin to see um, a, a decline in the rate of infection. And what we're really looking to is countries which are a bit ahead of us. And I know on the previous, one of your previous speakers was... Um, uh, talking to you from Madrid, and um, that's, uh, there's a lot of cases, about uh, 15,000 currently in Spain, yeah. and they're doing a lot of um, shutting down, and the hope is that we will see, we'll get a view of our future um, from looking at their, them and whether they can reduce the rate, and of course Italy as well. Yes, and why is it that we seem to be getting the impression, I don't know whether it's just the media impression, that the, the, the sort of statistics, if you like, from Italy are so much worse than the ones that we have in this country in terms of the number of casualties? Well, they are ahead, and it is um, really amazing, um, particularly um, the uh, death rate, which is, I don't want to alarm your listeners, but mm. it's just shy of 10% right. of cases. Now, the thought is that that maybe reflects um, under-diagnosis of um, mild cases. Because right. it's out of line, that, to be honest, with, with other places which... Well, that's, what I, th that's what I think people don't quite understand, because as much as we're being given a lot of information and we're learning an awful lot more every single day with each day that passes, it doesn't make any sense what, when you look at the, the difference in, in, in deaths. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, the most likely scenario is that... Uh, the number of tests is low, so they haven't picked up um, the mild cases. Right. Um, and that's the thought. The other possibility is that uh, it's quite an elderly population, particularly in the north, um, one of the oldest in the world, and that may be skewing it a bit. Right. Um, also, another fact, and I simply don't know if this, this is the case, I don't think anyone knows, um, I think, you know, why that particular region... I suspect it's something to do with it being a major winter tourist destination because of the skiing in okay. Venice. And they may have had a, 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 quite a large number of foci initially. Yeah, I mean, we were told as well that there was quite a good connection to the fashion business. I don't know if that's true, uh, in the sense that an awful lot of Italian clothing manufacturers are based there, but they make a lot of business in, uh, in China and they make a lot of their stuff in China. I don't know if that's true. Well, I, th I don't really know that much about the fashion business, but that's certainly what I've heard, and that um, that is where a lot of their sales are. And so there may have been a, a lot of um, people travelling for business um, between uh, Milan and, and, and parts of China. Yes. And so as far as where we go from here, if we shut the schools down tomorrow, as we believe is, is pretty much happening everywhere, um, how far are we away from the next stage, which I suppose is officially kind of locking down London? Uh, well, I suspect London particularly, it might be around the weekend right. from what I hear. Now, I have no particular inside information. Um, of course, one of the problems if you announce a lockdown is, of course, everyone wants to go home. Uh, completely understandably yeah. does. And uh, there's a fear that in Italy that um, when the north was, Lombardy was locked down, people then moved to other parts. Right. And it can actually um, have the unfortunate thing, it can spread it more widely. Mm. Yeah, right. So a lockdown in London would mean what exactly? Presumably closing down the tubes, no buses, no kind of trains coming into the place? 
Yeah, I mean, you, you could do it in a number of ways. You could certainly do that, and public transport, people guess, is because of close contact might be a major source and people moving around. Yeah. I mean, it could be closing a lot of shops, right. um, apart from obviously places selling food and necessities. Obviously, pharmacies uh, would uh, need to stay open, and this is the kind of approach we've seen in Italy, and, and I, I'm beginning to really see in Spain as well, to really you know, mm. try and restrict movement a lot. Right. And as far as a vaccine is concerned, I mean, you're working on one, presumably. Um, how far away are we from realistically getting a vaccine? Well, a number of companies, uh, you know, obviously all hands to the pump, as it were, yeah. and have got initially what they call vaccine candidates, things you think might be useful. And I believe at least one um, has actually um, injected their material into human volunteers who will be healthy, young individuals, right. um, just to see it's safe. Mm. You know, because you might have something, nothing to do with the virus, just something from the production process. Yeah. Um, and then the challenge is, OK, if it's safe, you then have to try and work out if it actually gives the right kind of antibodies. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, is and it conceivable, for example, that the vaccine might work for some people but not for others? For example, if you, if you did have underlying health concerns or if you were older, that it might not work for you but it would work for others? Yeah, and, and of course the issue also is you've got to be a little bit careful, careful in giving vaccines to immunocompromised people. Yes. Because they, they can't, you know, mount an approach. Because you're effectively giving them the virus, aren't you? Oh, the good thing about modern vaccines is they've, they're not actually based on the live vaccine, uh, okay. live virus. They've never come from it. All right. It's all. I mean, this is one of the, the great um, advances in the last ten years, particularly. Um, you can call it synthetic biology. Mm. You can actually just take the sequence, which um, was released very quickly, and I give the people in China great credit for this. So we can just see it on the WHO website. It's been publicly available, so everyone can actually start designing. Uh, material from the right virus without ever having to right. handle infectious material. Okay. And what do you make of the WHO's advice, which is test, 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 basically? Because we I... are apparently not testing. And my, my view of this, and I have no reason to have any view at all because I'm not an expert, but it seems to me there's no point in testing to see if you've got it because you might not have it, but then you might get it tomorrow. Surely better to test to see if you've had it. Well... The current uh, test, I mean, in a way, I mean, I, I certainly partly agree with you. Uh, at the moment, the current test only tests for the presence of virus. Right. Um, and so you can only detect whether you actually got it. Right. Um, there's obviously, you can't test whether you, you might get it. Um, uh, and so, but it does help, certainly. I mean, a lot of, say, the medical staff are concerned they're not being tested. Yeah. And are self-isolating on the basis of just a precaution when they actually haven't got it. Mm. And that's actually... Um, a, a, preventing staff going into work yes. you know, as a precautionary method. You're talking about testing afterwards, and that is extremely important. And there are antibody tests coming along. So what they do is look for the presence of antibodies in an individual, and those antibodies show that you've mounted an immune response to the virus, right. and therefore you've had it and recovered. And that would be extremely important going forward to actually be able to tell that. And those are rapidly being developed. OK. And what about the news from China that we're hearing, that basically um, they are moving away now from the, the, the main kind of peak of the problem um, and, and there are no new cases in Wuhan? Well, I mean, that's very encouraging. Um, and they took a very severe, dramatic approach, mm. which in a way they can do um, with the way society is organised and, it, you know, it's uh, quite a... Well, you can take those political views on this, but, you know, rather sort of a controlled society. Um, and so you can really do it. You can track everyone. I think everyone has an app on their phone to be tracked, and so you can really follow it. What they think they're going to see, and they've started to see, is sort of sporadic outbreaks outside, maybe mm. from people returning right. from other parts of the world, or maybe, you know, people who weren't quite well traveling and then these things are like you know secondary um outbreaks starting but they the hope is that they will be smaller and more controllable right a couple of questions for you from the audience that i've got here one tweet here from uh, thelma what what i would like to know is if you get Wu, uh, wuhan flu aged over 70 it seems that resulting pneumonia is what is likely to kill you if you had a pneumonia jag does that cover you against getting that pneumonia Unfortunately, pneumonia um, is caused, I mean, it's an inflammation of the lungs. Right. And it's caused by a variety of different um, disease-causing organisms. I mean, it, viruses certainly, but also bacteria. And uh, if you've had a jab against a specific one, it will protect you against that 
right. cause of pneumonia, but not another virus which would cause it. So a pneumo now, vaccination is not necessarily going to help you? No, not, not I mean, a vaccination against, when it becomes available against this, we certainly hope would, but a previous vaccination, say, against bacterial yes. um, pneum uh, pneumonia, unfortunately won't. OK. Well, listen, Professor, very helpful. Thank you very much for talking to us. Good luck with your vaccination uh, search. What uh, sort of length of time do you think we're talking about before you might realistically be able to offer it to people? The vaccines and all, and this is not, not, not particularly me, but generally the view is about 12 months because even if you can get a good candidate and show it's safe, You've then got to do the test that it's effective. But the crucial thing is scaling up production. Yes. Because you're talking about, um, well, probably billions of doses. Well, you're having to give it to everyone, really, aren't you? Yes, Professor George Lomonosov, virologist. Now, many of you uh, want to get on today. Many of you will get on. If we don't get to you, please don't uh, despair. We'll try and talk to you tomorrow because it's been a, an incredibly busy week, but an incredibly... Uh, interesting week and a kind of dangerous feeling week as well because we've suddenly gone from me going out to the bar on Monday and Tuesday uh, and now to the point where I'm sort of thinking, well, shall I pop over to Borough Market for a glass of wine? But I'm driving into work now, so I don't really want to have a drink before I drive home. Once I get home, I'm not really going back out again. The world has changed dramatically in the last 48 hours. Donald McLeod, uh, my friend and a columnist in the Sunday Post, owner also of the garage in Glasgow, he and I have been talking because he was due to come down here next week. He was going to be doing Plank of the Week uh, with me and with Carol Decker as well, but that doesn't look like it's going to happen. Um, he's trying to keep his business afloat, trying to keep it going in Scotland. Let's find out from him now precisely what's going on. Donald, very good afternoon to you. <laughs> good, good afternoon. Now, uh, you called me last... You, well, this is the thing. You called me yesterday and he said to me, hello, and I just started laughing. And you both started laughing because <laughs> I'm not sure what else you can do, really. I know. I mean, it's, it's getting hysterical. I'm going from anxious, stressed, confused, yeah. to hysterically laughing. But really, you know, I'm just angry. I'm angry. It's, I'm angry. I'm no, no situation I've no control of. I'm yeah. angry at the government. You know, guilty of washing their hands here, you know. Uh, not initially guilty of not doing nothing, now guilty of leaving, you know, licensees and the trade, the hospitality industry awash, you know, uh, getting morally judged yes. by snowflakes and the, the keyboard warriors for opening or trying to put money in somebody's pocket, pay wages. Yeah. You know, Terrible situation. I mean, how many people do you employ, for example, in the garage? I mean, you were telling me that you've got quite a big wage bill on, on, on any given week, right? Yeah, yeah, well, you're not getting me. About 200, most of them part-time. Right. But, well, there's full-time ones. And then we've got to, you know, you're, you're looking at, uh, you know, you're now looking at essential, non-essential staff. Because, right. quite honestly, you know, as much as I wish to stay open, uh, because that is the government guidelines, yeah. the government are saying that not to close, we're not officially closing, but at the same time going the other way and saying, don't go out. Right. You know, it's really confusing, and I think that's, that, that's the big problem we all have. So if you're trying to stay open um, and, and, and do the social distancing and everything else, yeah. people are still not out. It's absolutely dead out here. You know, I, I, honestly, I'm going to have to change my name to Jack Donald. Yeah, I was going to say, I I'll saw Jack. a picture, I, th I don't know if it was you that put out a picture of Buchanan Street, which, which if anyone knows Glasgow well, is the main shopping street. It's a sort of pedestrian yep. precinct Dale and all Dale. that. And it was completely empty. Oh, absolutely. It's, it, 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 I'm, I'm sitting in my office just now and it's even worse today. Right. But the, the the effect of the government saying, uh, well, you know, we're not going to officially close you down, and that's both governments, both uh, yeah. Boris and Nicholas, um, is, is that people are staying at home. People right. are scared. And, uh, you know, I'm not liking it. I'm not, you know... Well, do you know what I feel like? It's not It's not that I'm scared to go... It's, you know, it's not that I'm scared to go out, but I just... I'm, I'm beginning to think it's probably not the right thing to do. Morally you know? obliged, no. Yeah. You feel guilty. Yeah. Unless you're going to get absolutely steaming, which you're not allowed to do, of course. Because... I could do that at home, to be honest. Well, I'm going to do it in the club myself. I think <laughs> just... You have to drink the profits. Sure. Yeah. I mean, do you qualify for any of this help? That, because we've been talking about this on the show well, today. <laughs> Yeah, do I qualify? I don't know. My, you know, obviously my FD is looking at that. Um, we will probably will qualify as we all do under the the rates um, package, right. which you know, no no rates for a year, or you know, they're going to pause on that. Whether we can get, you know, whether we 
qualify for grants or even want to take them because why put yourself into more debt when you're in debt? Well, exactly. And one of the things that people are saying to me is that they're asking for business people like yourself to put up your own private assets as collateral. So if you actually... So so forget about the fact that you've got a limited company. If you take this money from the government and then you do go under, they'll take your house. Oh, that, this is it. You, you know, and I think that's terrible in Germany and Norway and other countries that are actually paying, you know, giving you a mortgage freeze, no question asked. You know, they are paying the staffed wages. All these, you know, I really am concerned and really worry about all these staff who... When I close the doors, which could be any day now, right. um, you know, that's them. There's a wee extra. There's no more. And it's not for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Mm. I think this is going on for ages. And this is where the government have really got to make a decision. At what point do they say games are bogey? We can't beat this and yeah. get the wheels of commerce turning. If they don't, we're heading into the, the Great Depression. They'll be worse than the one in mm. the 30s. I really, really do. Well, this is the thing that worries me, right? I can't understand how, and I'm not criticising the government because I think they're doing the best that they can do, but I don't understand how they can expect commerce to go on with no business being done. And people who, like you, run businesses that rely upon... Uh, you know, the, the, the handing over of money, basically, in exchange for drinks or coming into your club or whatever it is, yeah. you know, how can they expect you to exist without any income? Well, I don't think they do think that way. I, listen, to be perfectly fair, like I think you, you would agree, the government, both governments, finally getting together, isn't that nice? Yes. But, and actually doing something about it. They actually are coming across competent. They actually are putting money on the table, yeah. which they did not do back in the 2008. Mm. Back in 2008, they gave it to the banks. Right. And that enrages me to hear that the banks so far are continuing on with their 40% overdraft fee. Yeah. I will not, I do not want to see one single penny going to the banks. Right. I want to see any money going to the people, the people who turn it make this country great or all these countries great. Giving money to the banks, that would be disgraceful. Yeah. That would be another waste, um, which you know, just should not happen. Absolutely. Here's another thing. If I'm asked to choose, if I'm having to make difficult, really heart-rending problems, uh, you know, choices, sorry, between non-essential and essential staff, why aren't the government doing that with their own department. Yes. Why do we, you know, Food Standards Agency, Historic Scotland, Environment Scotland, or just, you know, or the similar ones down south, the yeah. only quangles, alcohol focus, why are they still allowed to, let, to, yeah. to run? Why are we paying for them and they're not getting slashed and chopped? We're all feeling the pain. We should all feel the pain. No, you're absolutely right. And also, that's the other problem with all of the people who are making these decisions. They're all very cosily tucked up on the public payroll. You know, there's no chance of any of the MPs losing any money. There's no chance of anyone in that Cabinet office getting told, sorry, mate, we don't need you to come in tomorrow. Oh, yeah, they're all sitting there, we're all together, we're all back in the yeah. government and then go and slag it, you know, the opposition party. No, we need essential government, we need essential, you know, like a working task force of MPs and that's a proper cabinet, like a work, you know, like a wartime sort of right. uh, cabinet. So the rest, go away, leave us alone. Right. We don't want to pay for you, you know. Another well, I had a, t- a tweet today from from a guy, Donald, who said he was getting he, he was walking past uh, one of the streets where near where he lives in London. There's a parking warden giving somebody a, t- a parking ticket. And you go, oh, what? Absolutely. Come on. I'll tell you what, you know, one of the first things I'm going to be looking at is my council tax, and I think everybody else should do as well, because the services are not going to be there. Right. No schools, no local services, planning, no planning, no, no transport, because right. really, that's going to shut libraries, poor, yeah. environmental health, trading standards. Why are we paying for them? Yeah. No, it's a very good point. Now, what about the other part of your business, Donald, which is the promoting business? You know, bands aren't coming, presumably, to this country. Nobody's travelling. Um, I can't remember if you put Lana Del Rey on already or whether she's supposed to be yeah, coming. Yeah, I know. She decided to be alone. No, so that was cancelled. But, I mean, you put on some pretty big shows in Glasgow. Yeah. Um, I mean, what part of that business is, is knackered now, isn't it? Oh, completely. I mean, completely. I think the big, you know, the, the warning sign was when Vandenberg in Germany uh, extended their lockdown to the 15th of June. That right. affected pop, pink pop. The whole of Germany is going to follow that. And so that they're pinched on Glastonbury and will do so right through the whole festival circuit. And let's face it, there's no there's no, no place open to put bands on. Right. Nor really is there an appetite 
for people to go out and buy a ticket and see a show, which mm. is perfectly understandable. So, you know, you can't even go on holiday. I, I, I mean, but promoting... Oh, they're saying, you know, a couple of months, let's get through this. I, really, I, I keep emphasising the point that it's not going to be a couple of months. This is going to go on and on for ages. And like we did in the, 19, uh, in the 18th, 19th century, we had to cope with tuberculosis, diphtheria, cholera, typhoid. We still go on with business. Yes. We have to, yeah. or we will face the consequences and it'll be a lot, lot worse. But here, you know, uh, there was a funny one I saw today, and, and, and you know, cause it's so easy to get angry, so easy to get annoyed. But I got a, a, so a tweet through from a friend of mine who's a, a, a big American promoter and said, seen it all now, a bogan says, but he's with his trolley built to the top with toilet rolls, hand sanitizer, bacterial spray, baby food. I said, you horrible bee. Think of the elderly. He said, that's all well and good, mate, but I work here. Can I go on the stand yourself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you've got to laugh occasionally just to keep your sense of humour. We were going to film. Unfortunately, you won't make it down here for Plank of the Week next week, but, no. but we're going to do one today uh, so you can yeah. get that on YouTube and that will cheer you up, hopefully no end. But, I mean, goodness, goodness knows when this is going to end. Yeah, I, well, this is the fear. When does it end? This, I, I think that will be the most important decision government has to make. Yeah. Because, well, I personally think they should be shoving billions into social care and proper isolation of the elderly and the vulnerable yeah. to really, really look after them in order that we can all earn, earn money, make a few quid, put money back into the government coffers to yeah. pay for it. Right. But they can't keep dishing out these checks. Up to now, I think the government, you know, to be fairly honest, great, other than the conflicting advice they're giving on uh, going out or yeah. visiting pubs or not visiting pubs. That's not been helpful at all. In fact, it was disastrous. And it still is. It's still today. This day, they've still not made that decision. Yeah, it's just the decisions get made for them, as they probably knew anyway. Yeah. Scared enough people, they won't go out. Nobody turns up. You know, I had two people come in at the cat house last night, so I think we, we know what's going to happen there. Blimey. Did they end up <laughs> leaving yeah. together? <laughs> well, I don't know. No, I'll need to check that out. You I, should. I possibly went in the garage to make up the... the Unbelievable. The, 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 make it 62. Well, listen, uh, hopefully uh, we, we will get through it, Donald. I'll see you at some point soon, hopefully. Uh, we'll get you down here. We'll get you back on the show. We'll get you back into the building. We'll do Plank of the Week. Something uh, has to give, surely. But Donald's absolutely right. This money that, that, that is swilling around should not be given to the banks. It should be given to business, and it should be given to people, ordinary people who are trying to get by... Uh, every single day of every single week. 0344 499 1000. Coming up, we're going to speak to Chloe Maidley about exercising while you're isolating on your own at home. But don't forget, you're not alone because we are here. We are Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.